You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. When's it going to happen? Here I am. There you are. Here I am, desperate for love, for truth. What are you going to do when you leave this building? Are you going to share with me what you've been learning here today? Or are you just going to bottle it up and pull it out next week for your friends? Now, when I say share, I'm not talking about every tactic you've used on me in the past, like judging my every move, telling me I'm a bad person, pointing fingers, giving me disgusting looks. (laughs) And my favorite is when you tell me that I'm lost. I don't even know what that means to be lost. Do you really think judging me is going to make me change? Would it make you change? Now, I I know I'm a bad person. I've, I've done bad things. But I don't need you to tell me that. What I need is for you to pick me up when I fall down. To be there when I'm broken. Yes, there's there's something missing in me. There's a void in my heart that I don't know how to fill. You have it. You have that thing that makes you whole. You know that person that I need to know. So I'm watching your every move. I'm watching where you go and what you say and do. Because I'm desperate for something real. I need something genuine to know that there's something more here than this. I mean, this this can't be it, really. And I think you know that. Listen to me. I need you. I need you to be here for me. I need you to walk out right now, ready and willing to do whatever it takes. It may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. But I need you to show me love. No matter the cost, show me what unconditional love really looks like. Stop telling me about this God of yours and show me who he really is. Honestly, I'll probably resist you. I'll probably argue with you and laugh at you. I'll, you know, even when you fall, I'll probably call you a hypocrite. But don't give up on me. Please don't give up on me. So I'm going to ask you, when's it going to happen? So when you watch that video, what, what, what do you feel inside? I'm not asking you what you think, because I think those are two very, very different questions. What I'm asking you is, what what do you feel? Because I, I'll confess to you that the first time I watched the video, I felt a little bit of, um, I don't know, defensiveness. My, my, my response was, uh, so what do you think, I don't care? What do you think, it doesn't matter to me that people do not know the Lord like I know the Lord? What do you think? I'm not concerned about people who don't who don't walk with God. 
And I think probably if I'm going to be completely honest, I would have to tell you that I also felt some guilt. I, I, I wish I wish that I was more concerned about people who don't know the Lord. I wish it came more natural for me to talk to people about Jesus. I, I wish in my heart that I was a better witness than I am. And if I'm just going to put it all out there this morning, I'll go ahead and tell you, I probably felt a little bit of an adequacy when I watched the video. But what do you say to a person like her? And how do you how do you start that conversation? And am I qualified? Am I adequate to actually sit down and lead somebody to Christ? I think we all have a sense of inadequacy when it comes to that conversation. But I open the Bible And I read the words of Jesus, and here's what Jesus says to his followers, to people like me and people like you. Here's what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You. You are the light of the world. And so if people are going to see Jesus... They're going to see Jesus through you. And if they're going to hear about Jesus, they're going to hear about Jesus through you. So let me take you to that passage, okay? We're in the Gospel of Matthew. If you want to grab your Bible and open it up, we're in chapter 5, okay? Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start reading with verse 13, and we'll read through verse 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, and here we go. Okay, here's what the Word of God says. You are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus speaking. But if the salt loses its saltiness, well, then how could it be made salty again? It's, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. And then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and and put it under a bowl. No, instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everybody else in the house so everybody can see by the light. And so Jesus says in the same way, here's what you should do. You should let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and may praise your Father who is in heaven. May God bless the reading of his word. This morning we're going to focus on that first verse, verse 13, and we're going to talk about the idea of salt. And I think the question that we really have to struggle with today is, do I live a life in such a way, the people who know me, do I have credibility with them that I can actually be a Christian witness in their life? Okay? That's really what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, Friday afternoon, Annette and I were at our house, and, and we're new to Oklahoma, only been here for a year. And so this whole storm thing is, is different than anywhere we've ever lived. They had tornadoes in Ohio, and they had them in Tennessee but not like they have storms in Oklahoma. This was just totally different for us. And so we've learned to really respect the weather. And so when we get the information that storms are coming, we just pay really close attention to what's going on. And so we're watching television Friday night at our house while we're eating some dinner. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you get that deal of there's a tornado on the ground in El Reno. And it is moving this direction. And it's going to be in Bethany at like 643. So we just start, you know, grabbing stuff and we take off out the door and we're going to head to the church. Our neighbors said, hey, why don't you come to the shelter with us? And we thanked them, but said we've never been to the church 
which serves as a shelter. And so we're probably going to go there because we don't know if they like need help or whatever. So we're going to go there tonight. And so we're calling Morgan, our daughter, on the phone. And we're saying, where are you? Why don't you meet us at the church? And we'll go to the shelter there. When, when I pulled up into this parking lot, I was not prepared for what I was about to witness. There were people parking their cars in the parking lot. The parking lot's filling up. They're running into the building like crazy with dogs under their arms and cats, you know, cradled. And, and I mean, they just kept pouring in. And pretty soon, I mean, it was lots of people. And somebody told me today that Lewis said that we had probably about 1,800 to 2,000 people here on Friday night. So they were in the Sunday school classrooms on this floor because it's encompassed by concrete. And then downstairs, they were in those rooms. And when I say the rooms were full, I don't mean that like there were people in every chair. I mean, every chair was taken. And then around the perimeters of the room, people were sitting on the floors. Some people have just got their, you know, iPhone on and they're just listening. We got the radars on the televisions in a lot of the rooms. Some people have got radios with them, radios, weather radios, and they're turned up really too loud, to be honest with you. <laughs> Some people are reading. Some people are just having a party with friends. But, you know, it was, it was amazing to me. And then we learned, you know, that Friday night, a couple of our sister churches got flooded. Trinity and Western Oaks and Mustang got some damage done. And some people that we love a lot who attend our church, Marion and Scott Redwine, their business was destroyed out, out west um, during that storm. A lot of stuff happened. We, we finally decide that we're going to get in the car and leave. The rain is coming down like crazy. The streets just north of the church right here, I mean, foot, two foot of water in them. And so as we're swimming home, you know, just headed back to the house, Honestly, we were on, we were on council and there were cars just turn around and said, no, we're not going to go through that water. That's not a good decision. We finally get home and, and the little lake in our backyard is coming up to meet us. Um, and we're beginning to wonder is, are you coming in our house? Are you going to, it didn't, we were grateful that it didn't, but, but I, I go to bed Friday night. One of the, one of the neat things was Lewis McLean's son, Curtis who would rather be referred to as Sweet C. Text me and he says, how does your daughter like our Oklahoma weather and how did she like the Bethany First Church Ark? <laughs> and so I text back and I said, Curtis, Morgan doesn't care for the weather at all, but she was pretty impressed with the Bethany First Church Ark. That was pretty neat. I, I, I go to bed and, and I'm thinking to myself, number one, I don't have to tell you, I love this church to death. I'm so impressed the longer I'm here, the more impressed I am. And, and I just got to give it up for the people of Oklahoma. I think people in Oklahoma are some of the greatest people ever. But, but I go to bed thinking, man, I love it that this place is a shelter. And I loved people from the community because there were a lot of people from the church here, but more people from the community. I love to see them running in and our staff is at the doors and they're saying, hey, come and go this way. If you've got an animal, go that way. And, you know, just pushing older people in wheelchairs up a ramp and get them on the elevator and downstairs into the basement and taking them to a... Say, I love that. And I went to bed thinking, you know, I think we're being salt right now. I think that people are seeing the love of God in our lives. I think we're saying, come on in out of the storm, come into the shelter. You know, I just thought it was awesome to see our church respond like it responded to that many people. Just being salt and being light in our community. It was great. You know, you know how 
people say things, but, but people hear other things. You know what I mean by that? Like, like, like I remember, like, even since I've been here, on Sunday morning after I preach, I walk down here and somebody, you know, comes down and shakes my hand and they're saying, Hey, pastor, I really liked what you said. You know, when you said this this morning in your sermon and I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say anything close to that in my sermon today. I've never even thought that in my life, much less said it, you know. But you know how you say things and people hear other things? When I read this passage, that happens to me. Because although I hear Jesus say something, I want to hear him say something else. And I think for years I've heard him say something else. See, when I read this passage, I think Jesus is saying, you really ought to be salt. I really need you guys to be salt. If you will let me work in your life by the power of my spirit, I will make you really salty. But that's not what Jesus says. You know what he says? You are salt. Hey, Rick, what does it mean when he doesn't say you ought to be salt, but he says you are salt? What does that mean? That means we don't have a backup plan. Thaddeus, you are salt. People are going to see Jesus through you. We don't have another way to do it. Lewis, you're salt, buddy. That's the plan. That's the way we're going to roll. People are going to see Jesus through you. If they're going to taste the love of God, they're going to taste it because they see it in your life. Brett, you're salt, man. This is the way it works. If people are going to taste the grace and the mercy of God, they're going to taste it because they hang around you and they see that in your life. See, that, that's the way it works. We don't have another plan. You are salt. People are going to taste the love and the holiness and the grace and the mercy and the beauty of God because they hang out with you. And that's the only plan that we have. I don't know a lot about salt. So I got online this week and I tried to learn a little bit about salt and I found out some things are already new. Salt comes from the sea and it comes from from the land. We, we mine salt as well as get salt out of the sea. And so you just dig down and you got, you know, mines under the ground and what do they bring out of it? Salt. Did you know that salt is the only rock that we humans eat? It's the only one. So when you take this packet of salt that you got when you came in, if you opened it and the maintenance crew wishes you would not open it until you leave the building. <laughs> but if you were to open it, what you find in there is 99% sodium chloride. 99% sodium chloride. You say, what is the other 1%? It is a non-caking chemical that keeps it from turning back into a rock. And so, so when you look at salt, you know, you think, well, what, what do we do with salt? We eat it. I, I was interested, it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus or anything else, but I was interested to learn that we only eat 17% of the salt that we harvest. And the rest of the salt that we harvest is used in industry to make detergents and soaps and paper and all kinds of other stuff. So, so Jesus says, you Tommy, you are salt. So what what does he mean by that? I don't know if this happens to you, but this happens to me about once an evening. I find myself standing in my kitchen with the refrigerator door open, refrigerator door open, and, and I'm saying to myself or to Annette if she asked me, I'm hungry, but I don't know what I want. 
Anybody can testify with me you've been there? You stand there looking into that refrigerator thinking, okay, what, what, what should I eat? You, you open the freezer side and you think I shouldn't eat ice cream. Then you open the refrigerator side and you see the chocolate syrup and you say, maybe I, maybe I should eat ice cream. Maybe. I'm, I'm kind of a stickler for like, uh, like when, when things are out of date. And so I'm always saying, Annette, is this good? And she goes, well, yeah, it's been in the refrigerator. It's good. But I don't usually trust that. I'm just like, I don't think I'm going to eat that. I don't think that's good. I just have an issue with that. But Annette says it's okay because we preserve it in the refrigerator. You understand that in the first century, they didn't have refrigerators, right? So think with me. You want to carry fish from Capernaum to Jerusalem. How are you going to get it there on the back of a donkey? And how do you keep it from spoiling on the trip? You pack it in salt. And so salt is a preservative. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, is that what he had in mind? Was he saying that you are going to have an impact on your culture? As followers of Jesus, you're going to have an impact on your society and you're going to prevent moral decay. Is that what Jesus means when he says you're salt? When we lived in Cincinnati, we had this neighbor, his name was Mick. He was a super nice guy. We liked Mick a lot. And he raised this garden and he always wanted us to come and get stuff out of his garden. And I always bragged on his tomatoes because I love to eat tomatoes. So one time Mick calls me. The garden is just kind of coming in and I go over and he goes, Rick, I want to show you something. Last year, I worried that you didn't get enough tomatoes. (laughs) So he said, these tomatoes right over here, they're yours. I will never touch this tomato plant again. He said, tomatoes can grow in here and fall off on the ground and rot. And I will never give it any, any attention at all. Those tomatoes are yours. So if anybody picks those tomatoes, you're going to pick them, okay? I'm not going to touch them. They're for you. And so I remember going over to get tomatoes out of mixed garden or maybe sending Annette over to get tomatoes out in mixed garden. And, <laughs> and we would like have company over whatever and you're fresh old sliced tomatoes. Man, I, I love tomatoes with a meal. Do you? But you know how I like them best? With a little salt. Because salt brings out the flavor. It, it changes the way the tomato tastes to me. I don't really want tomatoes without salt. It changes everything that it touches. Are you salt? Do you have an impact on your world? Do people change because you're in their life? Do people make you and then you make a difference in who they are? Do you help people to change to be better? Are you salt? We uh, had this guy who attends our church here. His name is Mike Curry. He's kind of a colorful personality. Oh, you've met Mike. 
You know, I, I, I love Mike. He's always wearing something that I would never have the courage to wear. I mean, it's just... And he's funny. And he, he does crazy things. You know, he'll like, he'll like wrap a really ugly wedding gift. And he'll send it to somebody and put on it that it's from Annette and me. You know, <laughs> this crazy guy. Funny. But he, he said to me one day when I was walking out of church in that aisle, he says, you know, my dad was Catholic when he married my mom. My mom, he said, attended the Assemblies of God Church. So I don't know if you've ever attended either one of those churches, but as far as worship style, it's kind of daylight and dark. You know, Catholics are going to be much more reserved. Assemblies of God are kind of all over the place, you know. And he said, so neither wanted to go to each other's church. But my mother kept saying, we should go to church. And so they got to decide if we're going to go to church, where do we go? I'm not going to your church. Well, I'm not going to your church. And finally, Mike said, my father said, we should go to Miss Noble's church. In fact, if we can go to Miss Noble's church, I'll go. Well, his mother says, what church does Miss Noble go to? He says, I don't know. He didn't even know what kind of church she attended. He didn't know what the preacher was like or what kind of music they had or anything. It was just that Miss Noble was such a life. And she worked in an office where they met. That if I'm going to become like any Christian in the world, I would want to become like her. And what he was saying was, Miss Noble is extremely salty. And so, however, I don't know what kind of a church she goes to or anything else. If I'm going to go to a church, I want to go to her church. Because if I'm going to become like anybody, I would like to become like her. And Mike said, that's the way my family started attending a Nazarene church. Because it was a little lady whose name was Miss Noble, who was the salt of the earth. And and so I hear that. And I just kind of say, okay, Rick. Are you salt? So if you look for the to-do part of the sermon, I think it's here. Jesus is saying, don't lose your saltiness. If you're a chemistry major, you may be struggling because you may say it's impossible for salt, for salt rather, to lose its saltiness. I don't think Jesus has given a chemistry lesson just to let you off the hook on that one, okay? I think what he's trying to say is this, that if you're not making a difference in somebody's life, what are you accomplishing? If somebody's life is not being changed because of your influence on them, then what are you doing? I'll just be transparent with you for a moment here. I'm 51 years old. And I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm coming to a place in my life that I'm saying nothing else really matters to me anymore. I mean, there's a few things that I like to do, a hobby or two or things that interest me, but nothing that's important. You remember a few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus and we said, tell us what's important, what matters. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what's important. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and love your neighbors yourself. Jesus said, God is important and people are important and he doesn't put anything else on the list. And I'm coming to the place in my life where I'm saying, if I'm not making a difference in somebody's life, if I'm not helping somebody, then what am I doing? And why else am I living? And what else matters? 
besides my God and the people that he loves so deeply. Um, my, my Morgan and I were on the soccer field one day. This was back, man, I'm trying to think how many years ago. She was junior high age, and so she's in college now. And, and we were walking off the soccer fields, and she says to me, she says, uh, Hey, Dad, can, can we invite Hannah and her, and her dad to lunch? And I said, Morgan, I, I got a full day. I mean, I, there's no way. I, I just, don't, just don't have time. She goes, Dad, they, they don't go to church. I don't, I don't think they're Christians. Don't you hate it when your kids pull that card on you? And so I go, okay, let's, let's, let's go to lunch with Hannah and her dad, Mark. So, so we go to lunch, and we're sitting there eating a Subway sandwich. And I promise you, this is the way it happened. Somewhere in the middle of that sandwich and that conversation, Morgan just kind of steps in and says, my dad's a pastor. What are you supposed to do when somebody says that? Just... She said he's really good. You would love to hear him preach. He's great. You should come to our church. It's awesome. In fact, you should come tomorrow. <laughs> and so Mark felt a little put on the spot. And he looks at Hannah and Hannah looks at him and they look at us and Morgan. And, and I felt kind of awkward. And then he finally just says, well, do you want to go to church tomorrow, Hannah? And Hannah goes, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, we'll just come to your church tomorrow. And Hannah looked at Morgan and said, cool. And Morgan looked at Hannah and smiled, and then they took another bite of their sandwich. And so the next morning was Sunday. And so Sunday morning, I'm sitting, we're always set, front row. And Morgan's to my left, and she's about three seats behind me. And, and, and I'm kind of singing in the worship, and I look around, and, and I don't see anybody. And I'm singing, you know, a little while. And in a minute, I, I look around again to see if maybe they come in. And sure enough, standing beside Morgan is Hannah. And about three rows behind them is Mark. And he's looking up at the screen and he's singing words he's never sung before. And I caught Morgan's eye. And she's got tears in her eyes. And uh, she just kind of gives me one of these looks. Just kind of like, pretty neat, huh? What, what, what I realized is that that invitation was terribly important. But I realized that those people were watching our lives. In the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come when they became very much a part of our lives and a part of that church family. And, and I walked with Mark Ellison through what was the darkest time he will probably ever live in his life. And I realized that all along that walk, they were watching us closely. Are you really who you say you are? Are you really salt? See, I think what happens when you hear sermons like this, or when you look at passages like this, we say to ourselves, i got to do something, right? you got to do something. But I don't think being salt is as much about what you're doing as much as it is about who you are. Jesus doesn't say, you should do this. 
Jesus doesn't say you should do that. Jesus talks about who you are. Jesus says you, Bob, you're salt. Jason, you are salt. But if you ever lose your saltiness, if you ever lose your influence, if you no longer see people's lives changing around you, what good have you become? You are the salt of the earth. You know, the only, the only reason we can be salt is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And this morning we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And so, I just want to say this to you before people come. And that is that, that just because we're celebrating the Lord's Supper together doesn't mean you can't come to the altar and pray if you choose to come to the altar and pray. And so I understand that this has been a crazy week in a lot of people's lives. And, and, and last week was a crazy week in a lot of people's lives. And if this morning you're going through some hard times or you're concerned about somebody or something's happened in your family, you understand you can come. And you can kneel here and people will serve you the elements here. Or you can receive them at your seat and then you can come down here. It's just up to you. But you can still come and pray. Or if this morning you've heard the sermon and you say, Rick, God's speaking to me through this sermon. And, and I want to pray. I want to talk to God about it. And I want to come to the altar to do it. You can do that. If, if you want to become a Christian this morning, if you want to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you want to make a commitment this morning that says, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ with the rest of my life, you can do that today. And you can just get somebody's attention and some of us will come and we will pray for you. If you want to be anointed for physical healing this morning, you can come and as the scripture gives us permission, we will anoint you with oil. Just tell Bob or tell me or tell Lewis or tell Mikkel or somebody around. We'll get to you and we'll pray with you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.